1: Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers,
2: hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places
0: with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.
2: From the Cookout Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider. Brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. Go to visitmyrtlebeach.com to plan your vacation. We're back, time for another edition of the Carolina Insider from the Cookout Mobile Pod World Headquarters. Jones and Adam back with you. Adam, hello.
1: We could be anywhere in the world.
2: We could be. In the universe. We could be behind you right now.
1: Don't turn around, (laughs) whatever you do. Do not turn around.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, we're happy to be back with you. uh, Rested and relaxed after, uh, had to take a couple of days off after the potties. It was a late night. Adam was a little loose. Yeah. But uh, we got it back together.
1: When I woke up in Guadalajara, I didn't remember anything <laughs> about the previous three days. <laughs> I then, just had the golden goose in my hand, yep. and Theo Pinson was there. Yeah. And he kept knocking on the door. I don't know. Other than that, I'm not sure what occurred.
2: Then you're like, kids, let's go see Chewie and Mickey.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll get to
2: that. Plus, we have a uh, terrific uh, interview with uh, Marcus Ginyard. Of course, a member of the 2009 National Champions. Played with Carolina for five years, actually, in the late 2000s. Really had a fun time with Marcus. He has been uh, playing overseas in multiple different locations over the last several years. We'll talk about that, about his time at Carolina, and a bunch of other stuff as well coming up. Looking forward to talking with him. Adam, it is early July, which is about the quietest time in college athletics Um, Not a ton to talk about Carolina-related. Of course, summer school is going on, Uh, you know, a lot of new, I know the, the new basketball guys are in town, for example. Um, football is going through kind of its off-season team bonding stuff, um, but just not a real not a real busy time as far as Tar Heel news at the moment.
1: No, it's really not. Some of the some of the Diamond Heels are playing on the Cape or in their various summer leagues, and there have been some some signings with the players who were drafted. Um, but other than that, there's there's some Tar Heels playing in Las Vegas in the summer league. Uh, getting our, our first chance to see, for example, Theo Pinson in a professional uniform uh, as he's played a couple games for the for the Brooklyn Nets. But other than that, this is the time everyone recharges their, their batteries, Jones.
2: I tell you, he's looked pretty good in the summer league. Is, well, one, Justin Jackson. That's because he was on the pod. Yeah. And two, someone we didn't have on the pod is Tony Bradley. Yeah. He's playing pretty well.
1: Yeah. Well, Tony Bradley's good. Yeah. You just don't remember because he was only here like a minute and a half or yep. the length of a normal due career. And just imagine what he would have been as a sophomore. And I don't. I think he's got a chance to be a legitimate NBA player. Oh, yeah. He's just he, – he's, he's got to develop a little more. Like he, 15 years ago, he would have been a definite NBA player. Uh, But now he's got all the moves around the basket. He's just got to be able to do it away from there. But I I think he can play. He can certainly rebound.
2: Do you think, and this is totally off topic, do you think we're ever going to get back to big guys being big guys in basketball? I hope so.
1: I hope so, too. I like that better. I'm like Big Grits in that way. I don't want to see all these little pansy 15-foot jumpers. Yeah. Take the ball down to the block and do a hook shot like a real man. Yeah. Give me an up and under move.
2: (laughs) Um. How many up and under moves have you done in your life?
1: Uh, not many. <laughs> I, usually I can just go under. I don't even have to go the up. <laughs> They're like, wait, who was that? I go under and under. We've got uh,
2: it's, I mean, it, and again, we're still a good three weeks or so from camp even beginning for Carolina football. Um, you know, the NFL guys aren't starting again for a little bit of time either. So um, we're just really in kind of a quiet time as far as uh, uh, college athletics is concerned. But that doesn't mean we have to be quiet on the pod, Adam.
1: No. There's always something happening in pod land.
2: Um, also today, by the way, we're going to have good story time. It's been a while since we've had a good quality story time, so we're going to do that today um, and a bunch of other stuff. But, Adam, do you have a list this uh, this morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you may be?
1: I only have a, a one-item list. Oh. and
2: Well, hold on. Let's go. What's on the top of Adam's yeah, list? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to
1: celebrate. This is a follow-up to a previous list item. Acceptable. When the most recent pod was released, in the next couple of days, I received the following text from my father. Oh. Oh, oh boy. You might remember the Coupon King. Yeah, Coupon King follow-up. Yeah. Uh, And in the top 1%, of all uh, loyalty customers. Of course. (laughs) Your mother and I just now listened to the podcast where you talked about us and CVS. (laughs) It was so good and true. Good. I'm glad. I was a little worried that the next sentence was going to, he wasn't going to have enjoyed it. Thank you very, very much for including us. Oh. Now, here's the key. We had just come home from CVS when we listened to it. (laughs) We saved 76% on our visit today. (laughs) Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Do you think that the visit to CVS was a lot of fun or listening to the podcast was a lot Uh, of fun? A little bit of both. Yeah.
2: Here's what I really want. I wonder if we can get coupon updates from your dad.
1: Yeah, and have like a leaderboard. Yeah. Like 76%. I don't have a frame of reference. Is that about average? Is that really good? I wonder if we, I think we need that.
2: I wonder if he can ask him if he can give us updates throughout the year.
1: Okay. Well, I assume he'll hear this. Yeah. And probably on his way back from CVS. uh, And maybe who knows what the percentage will have been this time.
2: I did enjoy Jordan Davis uh, sent us a tweet. uh, Took a picture of the coupon machine at CVS. Yeah.
1: Hashtag play the machines.
2: Yeah. Saying where's Adam's dad when you need him. Yeah, Yeah. That's right.
1: Jordan probably got some lame discounts. Yeah. Whereas if he had used 76% pink,
2: would have been a great day for Jordan. Yeah. It's, yeah, an, he w- that it's would have a been below average day for your dad. High
1: fives all around. But whereas dad was probably like, ooh. Now,
2: I think this is really good. We can actually incorporate our friends at UNC Healthcare and their Know Your Stats feature, and sure. we can keep track of your stats with my UNC chart. Visit myuncchart.org to sign up. But we can keep track of your dad's stats at CVS. Yeah. Well, and this also.
1: Can anyone save more than 76%? It's like a head-to-head competition. Yeah, ooh, yeah, I like that too. And then, like, if you just have a great day playing the machines and you knock out, like, an 85 percenter, send us that, and we'll put you on the leaderboard. You can go head-to-head with the king, <laughs> but you come at the king. You best not miss. Exactly.
2: Um, just a quick follow-up on another story as well. Okay. I, wasn't, I hadn't thought about this. but Does this follow-up. have to do with golf? Uh, no. Okay. Although, i got to say, I played a bunch this past weekend, Adam, and it's coming together. <laughs> <laughs> just in time to not be able yeah. to play it. I'm just telling you, it's coming together here right now. It's, it's the time of summer when I start playing well. Um, I saw John Montgomery. Two things. Oh, okay. Number one, he said, hey, we have to figure out about having you come to the yeah. office for the pod. So the wheels are in motion for that.
1: How's Patty doing?
2: Yeah. <laughs> That was the other thing. He said that, he said, Jones, I'm serious. She didn't even hear you the first that She said she I didn't even know that you had called her that, so don't feel bad about
1: it. I don't believe that.
2: So I feel as though I've handled that in the best way possible.
1: Do you think when we go to do the pod in John Montgomery's office, he will have assembled some sort of live audience? That will be there because there's room for like a thousand people in
2: there. It'll be like the NCAA tournament uh, show this year where you have this massive warehouse and there's like 50 people there.
1: And he'll find people that are allegedly pod fans, (laughs) but they'll be holding up signs that don't make any sense. Now it's time for everyone's segment. How can you justify that? And then pan to them and like a bunch of blank stares.
2: I like to eat it in and out too.
1: (laughs) Honey, is this the nutcracker? (laughs) All right,
2: Adam. do you have a how can you justify that? I do. Now this is a very important how can you justify that? Hmm. So let's first of all start off by playing ourselves in. I do not have to justify! How can you justify what you've done? How can you justify
1: sacrifice?
2: How can you possibly justify <laughs> that? Adam, you have officially been saved. One minute of time. On the How Can You Justify That intro. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because I have a couple of tweets that we need to get to in a second about that. But first, what is your How Can You Justify That?
1: I wasn't aware this was going to be a very important one. I would have uh, come with something a little stronger. This is an international How Can You Justify That? And it has to do with an issue that I know we all care deeply, deeply, deeply about. And that is my friend's... Stoplight technology. Oh. Yes. This is an important issue that I know everyone was thinking about today. Yeah. Here's my question. Why is it that America, I think we can agree, is the best country, has the best technology, and the coolest, best-looking people? Yeah. That part is just kind of a fact. Undeniable. Why are we so far behind in stoplight technology? When I pull up to the stoplight, all I see is your basic red, yellow, green. Yep. Okay. I just went to the, the fine nation of Cuba. Whoa, you, I didn't know that. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Now, uh, Cuba, I think it's fair to say, is not quite as developed as America. However, when I pull up to the stoplight in Cuba and I get the red light, I get an accompanying timer oh. that tells me how long until it turns green. Well, you can just look at the little walkway light. It gives you the countdown. No, it's right there by the light. Oh, okay. And they don't have that at every intersection. No, they, that's have Not at, at every, every intersection. Yeah. You would be amazed at how much you feel like you're saving with that. Yeah. I don't know why. You're much
2: more in control of
1: things. It's like when you get the free parking at the airport, and it's only $3, but it feels like 3000 I, it, something about having that timer makes me feel like, okay, because well, when you're at the light without the timer, you don't know. It might not ever turn green. There's no guarantee. You might be sitting there the rest of your life. But with the timer, oh, in 18 seconds, I'm out of here. Yeah. In other countries, they have the red, yellow, green, but on the red, it then goes to yellow to let you know it's about to turn green. Oh. I like that, too. I wonder if we could
2: get a fourth color here, like orange. Why would I need that? To tell you it's about to turn green. They
1: already have that. They, it turns yellow to let you know it's about to turn green.
2: But it turns yellow. No, it turns yellow to tell you it's about to turn red here in America, Adam. I'm saying right. what if we got like a blue light
1: that said, hey, hey, it's about to turn green. Because I think you could be confused if you were pulling up. No. What if you just pulled up? Because because it's, st- it's red and yellow at the same time. Ah. To let you know that it's going green. Okay. When it's going green to red, it's green and mm. yellow at the same time, and then it goes to red.
2: Okay. Wow. W-
1: why are we so far behind in stoplights? I don't understand this. I mean, out in Oregon, we've got people still pumping <laughs> their own gas or pumping my <laughs> gas for me. I-, I don't want that. I just want a stoplight that has a timer on it what? right there on the light. What was Cuba like? Uh, It was cool. Well, not temperature-wise. Right. It-, it was an inferno. Yeah. Uh, Havana in addition to being the title of a catchy song that I serenaded my family oh. with the entire time I we were there. I bet they enjoyed it. They did. Also, I learned that it doesn't go Havana, Havana. It's Havana, una, na, na. Oh. That was a real point of contention that makes teenagers angry. Yeah. Uh, H- downtown Havana, which I learned, Big Grits went there to play in the Pan Am games. Yeah, that's right. Tony
2: Bennett was his teammate.
1: Uh, and they've been classy friends ever since. Uh, and Big Grits befriended a family in Havana. I did not see them. Uh, downtown Havana is really nice ish, uh, outside of Havana is not as developed, but the people are incredibly friendly and they took us to, uh, the Cuban baseball academy Mm -hmm. Uh, and we met like the manager Ah. of the team and they let, uh, they let our two boys go on the field with them and like for no reason, just not because like, Oh, are you from the pod? But just because we were standing there like, hey, do you want to come out and swing? Except they said it in Spanish. Right, yeah. Uh, and, of course, they did. And so that was totally awesome. Um, but I didn't get to hit, which was kind of disappointing. And also, neither of our kids made the Cuban national team. Mm. Uh, so they're going to still be eligible for, you know, like high school baseball. That's good. Um, so, but Cuba was good. But then, of course, uh, as, as the Instagram followers know, then we went on to Disney World, which is the only logical place to go after Cuba. World Traveler. And uh, and got some arms cross photos with Mickey, uh, not Mickey Mantle, Mickey Mouse, and Chewbacca.
2: I got to tell you, the Chewbacca arms cross picture gave me a lot of joy.
1: Yeah. Well, and Chewbacca really pulled it off because he went ahead and did serious face. Yeah. Mickey didn't want to. I'm not sure why. Uh, he went with his trademark smile. Sure. But Chewbacca, uh, he, went, he went full on serious face. And d- so did you meet Chewbacca when you were there? Oh, yeah. Come on. How does he do that voice? Has he got a little thing in his in his? That's how he talks, Adam. What are you What are Uh, you talking about? He's a (laughs) (laughs) Wookiee. Not sure. We also we met BB-8. I wasn't as impressed. Yeah, we met BB-8. I wasn't as impressed. It's
2: just a, it's just a
1: robot. It's like a a little rolling trash can. Yeah, I wasn't as excited about that.
2: Um, did you meet Kylo Ren? No. Sorry.
1: We were in a race against time. But no big deal. I did. <laughs> um, Adam, did
2: you happen to see this thing? Uh, ESPN did it out or sent it out about the ultimate draft rankings, about which no. schools uh, place the most players across their sports in the first round of their drafts. Hmm. And Carolina was number one. They so had
1: it combines all the sports.
2: Yeah. So it's just of the power five schools. Carolina was one. Maryland was two. Duke was three, Kentucky four, Notre Dame five, Syracuse six. So a lot of ACC-ish <laughs> schools in there in the, top, uh, in the top six.
1: I'm surprised that Kentucky would be that high. I don't think of them as – I guess there's a lot of basketballs in there. Uh,
2: in Kentucky, it says it's clear Kentucky is fourth in these because of its elite recruiting ability in men's basketball. And then says some more. For Carolina, it says, while college hoops is the unquestioned king when it comes to North Carolina's athletics program and success in several other sports, has the Tar sitting at number one in the ultimate draft rankings. Talks about their success in men's lacrosse, in the soccer programs, and in baseball as well, getting players drafted.
1: That reminds me that the final Learfield Directors' Cup standings also came out. Yeah. So
2: Carolina was 13. Yeah. Which is relatively low for the Tar Heels. Right. But it's better than, like, 75% of the ACC schools have ever finished. Right. Ever. And I've heard some people complaining and acting like the Tar Heels have had this awful year. Yeah. I mean, they had a, I mean, men's lacrosse not making the tournament hurt them. Women's basketball not making the tournament hurt them. Volleyball not making the – because those are sports that traditionally Carolina is at least participating in the postseason. But let's not act like uh, the, the sky has fallen. I really, I like. Hey, I'm gonna give a little retroactive. How can you justify that? Just for that,
1: to who are you giving it to? to? Anyone who complained about it. Oh, okay, that's a broad base. So <laughs> how can you justify that? Uh, I I got probably an unhealthy amount of enjoyment out of the fact that there was one ACC school that was all hyped up about how well they were doing and how they were just gonna do the best they've ever done and just blow away everyone else. And Carolina finished ahead of that school by two spots in, in a quote-unquote down year. And when you learn about the scoring, like if you don't score in a sport like men's lacrosse, that you've, it really hurts you. Right,
2: yeah, one that you've designated as one of the sports that you want to take the point from. Yes. Right. Uh, how can you justify that, by the way, brought to you by our friends at Circle K? You'll find great people serving its customers in clean stores offering all kinds of products like ice-cold Coca-Cola. Now, as you know, You've now been saved one minute on your life thanks to the five seconds that we took off of the How Can You Justify That intro. This has been coined the Jones Minute. Yeah. So a couple of people have let us know how they've used their their pod. I like it, the pod minute. Although, Jones Minute's fine.
1: I mean, really, you did it all yourself. Right. I, I feel like you should take full credit.
2: Um, our good friend Joe Cadell at JWC58 says, In gratitude for my hashtag Jones Minute, he said, which I will spend watching nineteen seventy four era UNC scored twenty eight point two four points on Duke and Carmichael in sixty seconds. <laughs> Heed the following newfound wisdom. Key lime LaCroix tastes exactly like lime Skittles. Hmm.
1: That's that drink, right? Oh yeah.
2: LaCroix. People really like that yeah. a lot. Hey, flavored water, catch the uh catch <laughs> catch the train out of it's leaving the station. Have
1: you had it? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, you got a bunch of it. You don't seem that excited about it's it. It's fine. Oh,
2: I haven't had the lime one. No, I have. Uh, we have a lot of other flavors. I like the orange. That's good. Berry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Alan Huffman said, "This is and this, by the way, Adam is my what up."
0: Alan
2: Huffman sent us a tweet that said he just used his minute given to him by the carolina pod to join the rams club it's quick easy and helps provide educational opportunities to those who might not otherwise get them hashtag how can you not justify that alan huffman like it's like
1: a commercial for the rams club it was perfect that's the perfect use of your jones minute yeah and quite honestly we probably should have thought of that beforehand but as usual, someone someone else has a good idea it. that we'll now take. Yeah. yeah, we'll pretend like we came up with that, and that'll be great. So I think that's that's really good. And don't forget, the Rams Club's trying to get more members. Not sure if you've heard. As of right now, the total membership would not fill up the Smith Center. But now that Alan Huffman's in, yep. that row's got one more one, filled one seat. One more seat that's got a backside in it. <laughs> so use your pod minute. Alan Huffman wouldn't sit down. He would stand yeah, up. Maybe would
2: cheering the whole time. Yeah. Use your pod minute to... Go to the Rams Club's website, maybe go give him a call, figure it out. Join the Rams Club. You can do it for as low as $100 a year.
1: I don't think you could do this for $100 a year, but if you join at a higher level, they might let you look inside John Montgomery's office. Or maybe at least send you a picture of it. Watch
2: out. Uh, then one other, uh, Sean Patrizzi said, anyone else think the amount of time Jones has talked about saving his times has outweighed the time he's actually saved all of us? I don't oh. like his tone. Yeah, I don't need that, Sean. Yeah. I don't need I, I I don't need you
1: questioning the minute, Sean. You're at the bottom of the leaderboard for listener of the year potty in 2018, <laughs> yeah, right. 19.
2: You, you've just fallen below the
1: Mendoza line. You're so. gonna need to work your way up. And <laughs> Joe's
2: laughing at you. <laughs> um, Adam, we do have a story time to get to before we get to our Marcus Ginyard interview.
1: Oh, and don't forget, Chance. Marcus Ginyard's going to answer the "How can you justify that?" from the mm, previous that's pod. right. We've we've done some hashtag journalism yet again.
2: This was about wearing pants when you play basketball. Yeah. Long pants. <laughs> <laughs> like, in general, we encourage you to wear pants, of course, but long pants when you're playing basketball. So.
1: Yeah, we went to the source. What, what a tease. Yeah.
2: Um, before we get to story time, a quick reminder that, of course, the Carolina Insider is brought to you by our friends at Visit MyrtleBeach.com, and I hope you make the most of your stay at Myrtle Beach. You can have the best vacation ever. If you're not going to use it now, when are you going to use it? This is beach time. yeah. Beach weather. Cuba weather, if you're at it. Visit MyrtleBeach.com. Proud sponsor of the pod. All right. Adam, for the first time in a while, at least for a pure story time, we're going to fire up Mr. Goosehawkers in just a second, because our storyteller today is Alex Calhoun, with an M at the end. It's an international story time. Fits with the theme. Yeah. So if I could have a little jauntier international version of Mr. Goose Honkers, I would. But we'll fire up regular old Mr. Goose Honkers. Because Alex Calhoun's story, (laughs) Calhoun's story, starts like this. (laughs) says, we're a family living not too far away from London, England, and as we are about as diehard hard Tario fans as can be outside of Chapel Hill. After a couple of sentences talking about how awesome Adam and I are and how much he loves the podcast, he says, as you know, Nate Britt played in Scotland this past season for the Glasgow Rocks. And he says, by the way, listening to you guys pronounce Glasgow is hilarious. Ignore the W in Glasgow. What? Didn't I just do that? Did you say it wrong? Did you say Glasgow at some point?
1: I don't. You've been that to Cuba.
2: I can't I can't imagine you've done that wrong.
1: It, I mean, if you ignore the W, you get Glasgow, right? Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah.
2: We live about 45 minutes away from a team in the same league called the Surrey Scorchers.
1: Named in honor of Surrey Wood,
2: <laughs> and we go to the odd game. By the way, not long ago we had Mike Copeland on the team, and he played for Glasgow as well. He's also played for Glasgow as well. Have you worked on getting Copeland to give us a new "What Up" intro? Uh,
1: let's say yes. Okay.
2: Note, FYI, other UNC players have played over here, other than Nate, Mike, and Buck. Uh, Buck was Steve Bucknall that he mentioned earlier uh, in a part that we skipped over, including King Rice and Steve Hale. Okay. So we made sure we had tickets, front row, printed off some great photos from the championship celebrations and of Nate and Coach Williams, donned our variety of UNC gear, and headed on to the game, hoping to get Nate to sign them, and if we were lucky enough to get a photo with him. So as we sat watching the warm-ups and having yelled over to Nate, who, no surprise here, Adam Nate Britt's one of the nicest dudes ever, came over and talked to us for a little bit, signed the photos. We turned around to look at the crowd, and we see a couple walking down the steps to take their seat and they put us to shame. The guy was in a Carolina basketball jersey over his T-shirt, and the lady had a ceiling-roof banner tee. So, of course, I had to go over and meet this family. It turns out they were UNC alums now living and working hard over here and who made the trip to cheer for Nate as well. Their names were Abram and Carrie. I asked them to join us after the game to meet Nate and took a bunch of pictures. Carrie was beyond herself with excitement. You have to understand, basketball over here is a minority sport. It's a huge participation sport, but professionally there is no money, so it's not as popular. Uh, Plus, culturally, people here just don't understand basketball as much as other sports. So the crowds are not knowledgeable. They come, they love it for what it is, a fast-paced and often exciting game, and it's an affordable alternative to football, parentheses, soccer, rugby, and cricket. So following on from that, the crowds don't really have any rituals or specific cheers apart from some really lame stuff. They bang a drum and shout and scream. So whenever we turned around to see Abram and Carrie going through the rituals, they would have uh, joined in if they were in the Smith Center, which, by the way, he spelled Smith Center S, uh, well, Smith and then Center C-E-N-T-R-E. (laughs) Classy. Those crazy British folks. (laughs) Was quite a sight. And it's so funny when nobody else has a clue what they're doing. Not realizing these guys are streets ahead of them in terms of knowledge and how to cheer on your team in a real basketball game. This makes me feel very international as I read this. But they didn't care. Every free throw... The rocks took. They'd be there with their arms in the air, dropping them in a clap on every make. So we made new friends in UNC. In the UK is alive and well.
1: However, and you don't even know this is about to happen. Oh man! I'm about to blow your mind. What did he say his friends were that he met at the game? Was it? Are Carrie you talking about Abram?
2: Abram and Carrie?
1: Yeah, they're big pod listeners. Oh. Let me take you back to a date I like to call December 12th, 2017, and read you this email, Jones. <laughs> Hey Jones and Adam, love the pod. My husband and I are avid listeners. We listened every single day to get caught up once we found out about it. Carrie, uh, yeah, Carrie was a UNC transfer student. She went from Villanova to 07 to 09 and then transferred to the best university ever. She's talking about North Carolina. Uh, so she met, while there, she met Abram, who would eventually go on to become the subject of uh, like a cameo appearance in story time, which is a big thing. Uh, in November 2009, Carrie is happily settled into her new life as a Tar and she made the first best decision of her life. She offered a hug to that cute freshman saxophone oh. player after our symphony band concert at Memorial Hall when he said he had heartburn, <laughs> but no one had any antacids to offer him.
2: Wait. Abram, don't have heartburn in college, bro. You got to get that taken care of.
1: Unless it enables you to meet Carrie. Yeah. We started dating soon after, and she graduated in 2011. Worked at a nearby university that shall remain nameless. She thought of it as taking their money. <laughs> uh, he graduated <laughs> in 2013, and we decided to both pursue master's degrees in England, and ended up at universities a three-hour train ride apart. Oh. They dated long distance for nearly three years. Finally moved in together. Soon got engaged, and on November 4th, 2017. Got married at the Newman Catholic Student Center on UNC's campus.
2: Quick time out. I'm glad that we don't have to travel by trains that much anymore.
1: Their trains are cool, though. The European trains. Okay. They're better than our trains. Much like stop our stoplights. Yeah. and trains. Two things they do well. Uh, so <laughs> here's some Tar Heel fan antics our British friends never understand. Except for the Humeses. They get yeah. it. Yeah, Cal Humes. Yeah, Going to bed at 8 p.m. due to the five-hour time difference between England and the East Coast so we can get up at some awful time like 2 a.m. to watch a basketball game. Getting up early to watch West Coast games before going to work. Mm. Rushing our English street at 4 a.m. with our beloved Ramesses pillow pal after winning the national championship and then going to work the next day. As if getting married on UNC's campus this November wasn't great enough, on the day before our wedding, Carrie was in the Target on Franklin Mm. Street and met none other than Lenny Rosenbluth. Ooh. She like was completely through the
2: hourglass. Huh? Yeah,
1: she was completely starstruck, and he, of course, could not have been nicer as he always is. Carrie feels like, with his congratulations and best wishes, their marriage is truly off to a blessed start.
2: The pod—it's a brings du- the world together. It's a double story time, linking Nate Britt and Lenny Rosenbluth, and the pod, and uh, several Toriel fans over in England.
1: It truly is a small world after all. It's a small, small world.
2: So thank you, uh, both to Carrie and Abram.
1: They should have talked about the pod when they met. And maybe done like arms cross with Nate. He knows what's up. I think they did, didn't they? Send us th- a th- yeah, they, did. They, they did. They, they did. sent us an arms yeah. cross
2: picture with Nate. So thanks to everybody, the Calhumes, the Grahams, everybody over there in England for listening. We appreciate
1: All of England! <laughs> They're not paying attention to the World Cup at all. They're all listening to the pod.
2: Just hop on your train, yeah. put in your headsets, you're good to go.
1: Relax at the stoplight because you know when it's turning green.
2: And now what the Calhumes and the Grams are going to be listening to is Marcus Ginyard. Had a chance to talk to Marcus uh, a couple of days ago when he was in town uh, for a camp. And so we're going to talk about both his camp, we're going to talk about uh, his time playing in various different locations, talk about his time in Chapel Hill, of course, as well, and a bunch of other fun stuff. Always a great interview. Let's let you listen in on Marcus Gignard.
1: The run of national champions on the pod continues because today got a really fun interview for you with Marcus Gignard, of course.
2: You're already saying it's going to be fun. You don't even know. I Might d- be the I worst one we've ever done.
1: Have you ever <laughs> talked to Marcus Ginyard when it wasn't fun?
2: Well, no, I can't agree with that. Okay, but so who knows? Maybe he's changed over the last could couple be of years.
1: We're about to find out. <laughs> uh, of course, a member of the 2009 <laughs> National Champions and an all-around good guy, uh, Marcus How you doing? Thanks so much for coming by and kind of catch people up on on what you've been doing.
3: I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor to be here uh, with both of you. Um, This is great, and I really appreciate you having me. I'm doing well. Um, Jonas, which is a name that I guess people out here listening have probably heard before. He's been, uh, him and his little workers have been killing me this week. (laughs) My first week back, uh, working out since uh, I won a championship in Macedonia this year where I was playing, uh, just finishing up my eighth year. Wow. Uh, playing as a professional. So, yeah, just trying to get back get back into shape here and, and get myself prepared for, for next season and for whatever that holds. Um, something else that I've been getting into right here in Chapel Hill, um, I have a, a free basketball camp for 60 kids who live in Orange County. Wow. Uh, we're already full. Sorry, everyone. But <laughs> um, that's going to start July 6th, and that's just a two-day clinic, the 6th and the 7th which will be at Carborough High School. And we've teamed up with Chapel Hill Fire and Police, Carborough Fire and Police, Chapel Hill Sportswear, IP3, uh, Hendrick uh, South Point Auto Mall, and a ton of other people. I'm sorry, I'm leaving some people out. Mediterranean Deli, uh, the Franklin Hotel, and everybody just trying to put together an event, one, free for the kids to get everybody here from the community here. We actually call it the Marcus Gignard, uh Community Day, Chapel Hill Community Day, presented by Marcus Gignard Basketball Camp. And... We just want to get everybody together with community leaders with community service members, um, play some basketball, but really give these kids a chance to, to meet the people who are huge in their community and, and make such a huge impact on this community and hopefully these kids you know go away from the days uh, that we spend together uh, one haven't had a ton of fun and hopefully have learned some things and, and again spend some time with, with people in their community and, and try to uplift this community from, from the bottom up from the youth from the kids. So you yeah. mentioned Macedonia. I can't imagine you
2: ever thought that you would be there at any point Mm -hmm. in your life. Kind of take us through the
3: journey of where you've been and how you ended up getting there. So I started off uh, out of Carolina in Germany, went from Germany to Israel the following year, then to Poland, then to Ukraine. Uh, Had to leave Ukraine early in February of 2014 due to the revolution there. Then I went on to finish that season in Poland, Went the next year to New York to play in what was the D-League, now the G-League, uh, for the Westchester Knicks. Finished that year a little early due to an injury, but was able to leave to go to Greece to finish the season in Greece. But I never played due to contractual issues and all the stuff that nobody really knows that happens in you know uh, professional athletics. Then from there, went back to Poland. No, went from to France get mixed up myself went to (laughs) France after that then back to Poland and then to Macedonia this year and uh to your point I don't think that I would have ever ever imagined playing there wouldn't have been able to point it out on the map to you before this this season but turned out to be a great experience for me uh just another interesting place to put on a long list of places where I've lived and cultures that I've been able to um you know to live in and experience firsthand and Thankfully, this year, you know, we were able to, to win a championship, which uh, for any athlete or, or anybody really, you know, you set these goals for yourself at the beginning of the year, and, and to be able to reach those goals is, is huge no matter where you are, no matter what level you're at, no matter what industry you're in, you know, to, to be able to reach your goals and to do it with a good group of guys is, is always something that's really, really cool. What have any of those places, any of
2: those cultures, what have any of those really left a heavy mark on Absolutely. you or, or
3: how so? Absolutely. France. Uh, I just think that in, in the big picture of your professional uh side of life, your your uh your personal side, uh the people that you meet, uh your culinary experience, your cultural experience. Um your, your where you can travel to from that place. Um all those things added into the pot together. I think that France probably had the best of all of those things, you know, the highest level of all those things. So that that's a place that I'll always want to go back to. Um, and I'm really hoping that you know, that that'll happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're somebody who, no matter where you are, you don't just kind of go from your apartment to the gym and back. You, you tend to sort of immerse yourself in wherever you are. Um, What have you liked about getting to do that in so many places that I'm guessing you never thought you would be kind of a a part of that place? And what have you liked about that?
3: You know, Adam, it's, that's one of the best things about my job right now is to be in a place where you would have otherwise never found yourself and to be able to experience some of those things that you can't even imagine. So you don't even know you're missing out on some of these things. And, and I think that the only way to really make, you know, my situation work for me is to really just jump in and, and to take language classes wherever you are and, and to try to get out and, and meet locals and find out, you know, the, the real, uh, traditional restaurants and things like that, and not just the places where all the tourists are going. Um, it, it really just makes your whole experience just more well-rounded to, to be able to, to really dive into these cultures and, and some of their traditions and, uh, like I said, their food and, you know, just the, the way that their people interact with other people. And uh, we got the World Cup going on right now. I would never be watching football or soccer to, um, <laughs> you know, if – if I hadn't spent time in Germany, if I hadn't uh, spent time in France, if I, you know, if I hadn't been out there in Europe where, where this is something that's really, really big, it really wouldn't interest me right now. So even as an athlete, to, to gain respect for and to gain an interest in another sport, that would have never happened if I didn't move to Europe. So th- there's just so many things that, that I've experienced and that have made me who I am today uh, because of the fact that I was able to to just get over my fears and, and really just dive into, you know, wherever I've been living. And they've been in so many crazy places, and, you know, people are wondering, man, how did you get out? did you Were you scared there? Did you feel uncomfortable? And, yeah, I felt uncomfortable. But I also felt uncomfortable uh, doing the conditioning test for Coach Williams, you know. But <laughs> you get through those things, and, and there's always some good stuff on the other side of that.
1: How have you communicated? I mean, there, there's not one language that binds all those places you just named. So how have you done that?
3: You know, to be to be honest with you, it's, it's really amazing how well – humans can communicate with each other without language so first of all that'll be my first point if you have two people or two parties whether it's two groups or whatever if you have two parties that are willing to communicate that are interested in in and communicate honestly i think even without language you're going to find a way to make it work but um you know respect is universal you know compassion is universal uh these are things that you don't need to speak the same language to understand uh and, and one other great thing is that i'm over here in all these places playing basketball. And so basketball itself is a language. And I don't necessarily need to know what my coach is screaming at me, you know. (laughs) But I know that I didn't box out. You know he's screaming at Yeah, I know why he's screaming at me. You know, so some of those things, um, you know, you can kind of just pick up from context. But uh, I have – I do take a lot of pride in in saying that in most countries that I've lived I have taken a bit of an effort, if not a serious effort, uh, to try to learn the language there. And I think that that just goes a long way um, for you getting in – with the locals and people who see that you're trying to make an effort to see how their life really is and to see what their lifestyle is all about. And, and that's only going to help you, uh, you know, to get more involved. So really you have some very basic human communication skills and, and, you know, just kind of that mindset that you can get by in a lot of places, you know, just having respect for people, just being compassionate towards other people. And again, just being motivated and willing to try to understand somebody else, which I think if we want to take this completely out of sports, it's something that I think this world is lacking, you know, it's just the willingness to try to understand somebody else. You know, it's so many times we're so quick to turn our back to some people or to treat people differently just because we don't understand them. And so I I think that that's something that I've learned being over there and and being the person that didn't speak the language and and being somewhat of the outsider, you know, and I've been lucky to be around people who spent the time to try to understand me. And so I owe it to them and even to myself to try to understand other people as well. So it's been a great learning experience really has. You mentioned in the Ukraine, things got real pretty quick over there. What was that experience like? Just kind of, how did you take all of that in? You know, um, that was a very, very tough time for me. Um, and I, I was never uh, physically in danger, um, but where I lived uh, a few weeks later, there were, I think, uh, upwards to 30, 35 deaths in the city where where I was playing a few weeks after I left. the The airport that I flew in and out of was completely destroyed three weeks after I left. Mm. Um, obviously I know people in that city who have family members who who passed away and and, you know that was very very difficult to to know those people and and to spend a lot of time with those people and to know the types of things they've already been through in their past and to have to go through something like that but I was just blessed and, and thankful to to be safe you know to be physically safe and to be able to get out of there in time and it was a strange time you know you didn't think that that would be something that you'd have to deal with you know obviously just playing basketball you know but Unfortunately, you know, something like that did did happen. And just just hope that things like that won't happen again, you know, which is it's tough to think of because, honestly, you know, these things just seem to continue more and more.
2: I know you probably don't have any firsthand experience in this, but which country had the best party scene, which country had the best nightlife? You know,
3: this is going to be a tough question. Because I, <laughs> I understand I – it I don't have kind of t- any What did of you, them? you hear from other people? <laughs> so what I've heard from <laughs> from people and you know people I've been around, uh, France was great. France was really a good time. I had a really good time uh, off the court in France, and not necessarily just the the let's say party scene, but like I said, the cultural scene there. Um, you know, going to see uh, you know going to see a, a play or a show, and going to see some live music here and. Um, they had a lot of other sports teams as well. So that was nice uh, to be able to just get out um, outside of the game of basketball. Sure. So that was cool. But um, honestly, Macedonia was great too. Macedonia had a, a nice little um, you know, get out scene, eating dinner outside, um, you know, having a drink with your friends uh, you know, out, at the, out at the bar. So everywhere I've been, uh, there's been a, a really good atmosphere uh, in terms of just getting people together and having a good time.
1: Where's somewhere you've been that you thought, I am absolutely as far as I can possibly be from Chapel Hill right now, and yet you somehow run into a Tar Heel?
3: Ooh. Whew. Man, that's tough. I don't, I don't even know if I have this in my memory, but I have been some strange places and run into Tar Heels. A lot of times it's at an airport. You'll definitely see a little NC at the airport here and there, all over the world. Uh, Germany, uh, my first year, Out, I was playing, and there was like three or four people in the stands with Carolina jerseys who were super excited about saying hello to me after the game. Even a player on the court, my first year in Germany, I remember before the jump ball came up to me and was like, hey, Marcus, man, I really I really enjoyed you at Carolina. I love watching you play. Oh, that's cool. Really, really cool. And also in Germany in the preseason, uh, we're warming up for a preseason game, and here's Rayshon Terry on the other side of the court playing against Rayshon Terry my first year. Jeremy, uh, So that was really, really cool as well. All right. I want to go back to Chapel Hill,
2: Marcus mm. Gignard. Uh Let's start on the court. Okay. Just uh, take us through kind of that journey for you. Uh, came in with that group, of course, with Tyler and Bobby and all those guys. Right. right. Had the injury the, in 09. Had a yeah. really tough season in, in 2010 as far as on the court. Not yeah. you individually, but just yeah, the yeah. team. Um, Just take us through that journey, kind of what it makes you
3: think of some of the moments that you remember the most. Well, man, we start that freshman year. Um, I even had an injury to begin my college career, um, getting hurt in the summer, breaking my wrist in the summer. Uh, I was lucky that it didn't take me out of the game uh, my freshman year, you know, playing that first half of that year with that brace on my, on my wrist. But that first year was just like a, man, just a whirlwind of emotions, you know, just finally being at the place where you dream about being your whole life, um, seeing, that, seeing the work and the dedication and the focus that it really took for you know a basketball team to uh you know to get better every day and, mm-hmm. and to try to reach for the the real serious goals that we had in our mind um obviously that duke game and cameron is is always going to I mean you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to forget that you know and and that that game right there really set the tone for me as a player here just knowing that that was possible you know because I'll be honest with you as a freshman I didn't really believe that that was possible, you know, I didn't, and not to play the way that we did, you know, okay, maybe you're going to hit a buzzer beater or something, but watching TV and and watching those games growing up, I I didn't really think that that was possible. You know, I knew that that was something that really didn't happen, you know, that often. So that was a very, very special game. uh, Even that year in the NCAA tournament, that loss in the NCAA tournament was super tough, but that was a big moment for me as well, um, really having that, desire to get back past that point in the years following final four I'll never forget that first final four I'll never forget getting our butts whipped (laughs) but just getting to that final four was a really big moment for us too you know just getting over the hurt that hurdle and and getting there which was ultimately I feel like our demise at that point as well is that we just felt like we just got there and that was all that we needed to do and then the injury uh, going into 2009 and Not quite being as involved on the court as I wanted to, but I think that I did the best job that I could have, especially at that age, really just embracing my new role on the team as um, one, just a guy in the locker room that had the experience trying to keep the team together and trying to keep the team focused and motivated. And then as I got better, when I already decided not to play, but as I was able to start to practice with the team, really just trying to do everything that I could to to provide that that practice player that really pushed these other guys um, on the court and, and had them in, in the best shape that they could be in for the game. So through all these years, all five of these wonderful years at Carolina. I wish it could have been seven or eight. But uh, So many I, others <laughs> do, too. Don't worry. And then, or you could just be like Adam and me and never just leave. just stay, right? You just right. Maybe I need to come back, man. If anybody's got any, hey, we any space kick, for me out hey, there. Hey, we can kick I'm...
2: Eric out of the analyst chair and let you come sit in there. I think man, we can I wouldn't
3: mind. I wouldn't mind subbing in.
2: All right, let me ask you about 2010. Okay. Um, one of my vivid memories of that year off the court was just how – bummed you were by the end of the year. I mean, it was a difficult year for everybody around Carolina basketball because things didn't go the way you guys wanted. There were a bunch of injuries that year, obviously, that sidetrack things. How difficult was that to go through as a player your last year? You know, I know you wanted that team to be successful as a senior leader. Just how tough was that? And did you learn anything through that experience?
3: Man, I definitely learned a lot. And coming through Carolina, I was always invi- involved in the, uh, the Leadership Academy here mm-hmm. on campus. And I definitely prided myself as someone who took leadership seriously, uh, someone who wanted to be a leader, someone who wanted to push everybody else to to bring everybody together, to to push us towards our goals. And that year really took a toll on me you know, as a leader and and just as a captain of the team and to see that our team struggled so much. And I took a lot of responsibility for that. You know, I felt like I I didn't do the job that I needed to do to get the young players along and to, to build this cohesive unit and for us to perform at a high level consistently and and so that weighed on me for a couple years after you know into my professional career and I'd always look back at that and just think man I I didn't do enough you know I I wasn't good enough I I wasn't tough enough on the younger guys or I didn't bring everybody enough you know together enough and so that was a that was a really tough experience for me And, and going through that experience really was I mean, I, I don't know of any other way to describe it than hell, really. It really felt like hell to me. Like, it just felt like this is not how a, a Carolina team should be performing. But then, you know, you also look back at it and, okay, we didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. We didn't win the NIT. But, I, I mean, I think we still won 20 games that year. Mm-hmm. And and to still be looked at as, like, such a terrible year, you know, um, that's tough. But I, I do think that um, – the guys on the team that came back and even the guys that you know that were on the way out we still learned a lot from that year in terms of again you know what it really takes day in and day out and the mentality that you have to have the the focus and the drive that you have to have in order for your team to be successful because you know it's just not you're wearing this Carolina jersey it's not just going to happen because you're wearing this Carolina jersey and I think that that's probably the biggest lesson that everybody took away from that year
1: while we're talking about such happy memories <laughs> that that 08 final 4 game against Kansas yeah it has sort of become this urban legend that there's no way Carolina could have lost by that much unless something had happened. Right. Like somebody got in a fight or, uh, you know, somebody was mad at somebody else or something. Right. What happened once and for all?
3: Honestly, guys, like I mentioned before, I really felt like we lose in the, f- in, uh, what, the second round against George Mason. Um, the following year, we – almost break through. We take a tough loss to Georgetown. And then the next year we finally get over the hump. We beat Louisville. We had a huge game and and it was in Charlotte. Everybody's just so excited. We're so pumped. We're going to the final four, man. We get to the final four. I'm telling you, everybody's face is just like huge eyes. You're just like, whoa, what is this? (laughs) Like, this is amazing. We have made it. We are here, you know. And honestly, I just felt like it was that kind of attitude that really took us down. That first game, we just felt like all we needed to do was get to the Final Four, and that's and it was going to be okay for us, you know. But there's still a lot of work to do over that weekend, and I just don't think that we were mentally prepared for that. And that first punch that we took from Kansas that day it was, just, I mean, it, it rocked us. It knocked us completely on our butts, and it was a struggle from the very first moments. And I, I hate to to ruin everybody's uh, you know the, the, the conspiracy theories and the myths, but there was nothing. That happened in that locker room and in any type of negative way that would have produced that type of result, you know, not at all. Do you look at the 08
2: to 09 transition? Do you see any similarities from 16 to 17 for Carolina where the Tar Heels lost right there at the buzzer and then were able to to use that as a little bit of fuel for the next year?
3: Yeah, I, I think in the sense that they just used that as motivation. Um, I don't – I mean, obviously there's always something to learn, you know, but that game was so – close you know I mean obviously I mean it's there weren't so many more things that they could have done uh to be on the other end of that whereas our year I mean it was right I mean we had a whole list of things that we were not prepared for um in terms of you know really getting the result that we wanted out of the final four but at the end of the day you didn't get to where you wanted and so to have that You know, as motivation for you to have uh, that—I don't know—newspaper clipping in your locker, or to see them raising the trophy up, and just to have that memory in your mind from the moment you get back to Chapel Hill, going into that off-season and throughout the year. I mean, that's a huge—that's a huge bonus. And of course, you don't want to have to go through a loss like that to get motivated, but it does still motivate you. So, I think in that sense that there are—you know—huge similarities. Just falling short. And then finally reaching your goal the next year. But but there's no doubt that uh, I think we learned a, a tougher lesson than the 16 team did.
1: We had Jawad Williams on recently, and we asked him about 05 against 09. <laughs> and
3: this he, is he gave us his thoughts. This will never end. I think this will never end. This will always be a, an interesting question. And... Uh, would you mind just telling me some of his, th- his thoughts? He
1: thought 05 might pull it out at the buzzer.
3: <laughs> by
1: which I mean he said they would kill y'all.
3: Oh, interesting. And well, he went
1: through the matchups one by one. One by so one, huh? I think he had edge 05 at every single one.
2: He had Ty and Raymond as a wash, mm-hmm. and he had Sean and Tyler as a wash. Mm-hmm. And then he gave every other position and the bench
3: to the 05.
1: And I think also the coaching.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the coaching is definitely going to be a wash. Let's... um you know what? I I just love thinking about this question and man, do I wish that there's a way where we could make that happen. And what a game, especially now Sean couldn't get up and (laughs) down the (laughs) court, but but to be able to go back in time and to have the '05 five team in Oh five and the '09 nine team in Oh nine, somehow some way with all this weird stuff we got going on. How can we not teleport and all this (laughs) stuff yet? I don't understand. But if we could have that game played, what a game that would be. And I, it's hard for me, obviously, to go against my my squad here. Um, but it would be a heavyweight title match. Where for does sure.
1: the 0-9 team have the edge?
3: <sighs> Honestly, I, I'd say our bench. But at the end of the day, man, that's a h that's a heavy hitting game right there. we I think we we were better Shoosh. Man I <laughs> better looking. obviously. We are definitely better looking, (laughs) but it's a tough game, man. And I'm just going to stick with my team because I know what my team was capable of. Not that I don't know what they were capable of, but I know what we went through. I know that we played other heavyweight teams and we, there was just nobody that could stop us at the end of the day. I was going to ask you kind of when you guys got into that tournament,
2: it was a different team, it seemed like. What what changed when you got in from being a really, 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 really good team mm-hmm. to the dominant team that it was for those six games?
3: It was just a switch. I don't know what clicked. Now, we knew going into that year, we knew that we had gotten so close to where we went to the year before. We knew we had all these pieces coming back, all these new uh, faces coming in that were giving us a great wave of energy and talent. We knew we were the favorites from day one we played like it for the vast majority of the year and i just think that our confidence level just went through the roof and i really think that th- i mean players got better there's no question about it players got better but i don't i don't see that we got that much better between those two years to really have the results that we did the following year and i right. really just think it was just our our confidence level and, and just you know our mentality that we're going to be We're going to be top dog, and we're going to not only just beat everybody, but we are going to dominate everybody. And I do feel like that's something that's a little different than that 05 team. That 05 team was great, but along the way, not that this is a knock on them winning, but along the way there was a lot of tough battles for them that could have gone the other way, you know, that they were not heavily favored, and, you know, they had tough battles to to get through. And I think that our team was just – I mean – we just took care of everybody in such a crazy way that I think uh, people are probably still talking about the way that we went through that tournament. What is the coolest perk about
2: being a national champion that unless you're a national champion, you don't Mm. know?
3: Mm. That's man. That's tough. Honestly, just like I love getting introduced as a national champion. I just (laughs) love that. Like, not like three-time Final Four guy or whatever, but just like just hearing the national champion come out, because again, you just know how much work it takes to get to that point. That's just a that in itself is like a really, really nice thing to hear and, and just think about. You know what you guys went through to to earn that right to be called a national champion. But I mean, here at Carolina, especially everybody, everybody loves these teams and all these teams fight hard, so they're they're all memorable teams, but it's just a different class even within the you know, even within Carolina, it's just a different class to be, you know, up here as a champion. It's just a, it's a beautiful feeling. It really is. But everybody knows the the work that it took to get there, which really is what makes it even more special.
1: We need to clear up a couple of things.
3: Yeah, sure. I'm the, Adam's very serious. I'm the right? man for it. Uh, Let's do uh, it.
1: Another person we had on the pod recently was Eric Hoots.
3: Oh man, don't listen to anything he says. Okay, well that's what I want to ask you. <laughs> he
1: said something that really angered the the American public, uh-huh. by which I mean Chicago. <laughs> he said oh, that Bobby Fraser is not funny. Th- is that true or is that false?
3: <laughs> to me. Robert Fraser is not funny, but that's to me. But it's it's almost to the point where he's he's so not funny that he's funny. Like he's just entertaining because he tries so hard to be funny, and it's it just doesn't. It's never worked for him, you know. It's, (laughs) It's never worked for him. But with that said, one of my favorite teammates of all time, and whether he's funny or not. He was a, one of the best teammates I've had. It was great to play with him. And, again, you know, you're talking about another national champion, somebody who put the work in on the court and was a great guy off the court as well. So I got no problems with Bob. Whether he's funny or not, we're just going to leave that to everybody else to decide. My vote is no. My boy's not. <laughs> the official vote, no. We're going to get. Comma, angry. but a good guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're going
1: to get angry emails and tweets again.
3: I hope We get one from Bob. Oh, yeah, that's got that one the, the only one we got last time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, here's something else that I need your insight on okay. as a highly trained professional athlete. Okay, I've gone to some. Oh, of these, yeah, this is important this question. This is an important thing. All right. I've gone to some of these pickup games. Yeah. There's guys in these pickup games wearing long pants. Yep. Why?
3: That, yeah, I can't are these younger guys or are these older guys? That's a
1: Yeah, like younger,
3: younger well, not guy. like current players, uh-huh. but on
1: the younger side of alums.
3: Ooh, okay. So it could potentially still be like my year and young hey, no younger, yeah, no younger. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. easy Marcus. You're <laughs> <laughs> much younger a than you. younger than that. <laughs> not
1: ancient like in our category. Right, right.
3: Honestly I don't get it. It's especially in North Carolina, man, it's hot. now I will say this. Where I was playing just p- this past year, there was no air conditioning. There's no insulation. There's, like, windows broken. So, like, when it's freezing cold outside, it's freezing cold in the gym. So, it's like Tallahassee. It's like playing in Tallahassee. (laughs) (laughs) So, here now, I mean, you have a beautiful facility here where the air is always on. It's always very nice. I don't think it's so cold where you need pants. But, you know, it's just kind of one of those style things, I guess. You know, like, some things just aren't necessary, but they make you feel comfortable out there on the court and, you know, Carmelo Anthony did this past summer, or, you know, last summer wearing a hoodie in the gym, obviously was not necessary, but something about that made him, you know, feel like he was, you know, in, in the zone or however you want to call it. So, sometimes it's, it's just one of those weird things, man, that just, that's what you're doing. It just comes out of nowhere and that's what you like. You have a good game the first time you do it and the next thing you know, that's like your style. That's really, that's the only way I can explain it.
2: Is that why you're wearing shorts today, Adam? You yeah. had one pod where you wore shorts <laughs> and it went yeah. and well. I had a so good one and now, now, now I'm in my yeah. zone. Now you're in your shorts, Now I'm in the zone. Yeah. In the zone yeah. You got the tucked in shorts because <laughs> yeah. you're in <laughs> because, that zone. Because we,
1: in the Oma Pod, <laughs> Marcus knows he went to Omaha that yeah. one year. Uh-huh. Uh, we the, went
2: to Omaha just to do a podcast. Nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: We saw no baseball. Yeah. Man. We
2: were trying to see the Tardos play. Didn't play. Why weather got didn't us. Didn't you guys call me, man? I that's it, Well, we knew
1: you knew all the places to go from what we recollect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm trying to stay, like, in my groove.
2: <laughs> you you – Marcus, you have always struck me as someone who doesn't – you don't need basketball to be successful. Mm-hmm. You are good at basketball, but you don't need basketball to be successful. Whenever basketball
3: is done, what what is that next step for you? That's a great question. I've been spending a lot of time over the past couple of years, um, you know, trying to put some of those ideas in my mind together to see kind of where I'm going to feel the most comfortable – uh, you know, putting a lot of my energy, you know, because with anything in life, you know, if you're not really focusing energy behind something, it's really not worth your time and you're not going to get the results that you're ultimately looking for. So uh, I was very lucky, actually. So after I finished playing with the the Westchester Knicks, um, I had some time where I was back home in Chapel Hill where I needed to let my thumb heal. Or I didn't have a deal to go play anywhere else. And so I, I was able to spend some time with the Rams club. Um <clears throat> just kind of hanging out with all those guys, seeing how they worked, seeing the things that they did, um, seeing the, the the type of impact that they've had you know, on, on this university and on the athletic department. And that was something that was very, very interesting to me to, to see an opportunity where you could still be involved in athletics. You can still be involved with Carolina, uh, which are obviously two things that will never leave my heart regardless of what I'm doing. I'm always going to love Carolina and I'll always be an athlete. So, that was something that really stood out to me is uh, something that I could potentially you know get behind in the future. I'm lucky to to know a, a Carolina alum who's working with Nike out in in Europe at their headquarters and so that's another thing that kind of got me interested to remain in sports to remain in Europe which is also something now that I love um, so that's something that's that's come up as well and again just trying to spend these last years uh, you know really focusing, on what's gonna drive me, you know, after basketball is finished. But I definitely have a few things uh, in my mind, and, and a few things that I feel like w- would be good fits for me.
2: Did you get to see John Montgomery's office when you were walking around the Rams Club? <laughs> I did a few times. It's huge, That's isn't it? <laughs> it's the biggest freaking office in the whole area. And a few times I we're saw. We're trying it, to get we're trying to get an hey, invite
3: to go do the mobile pod from in his, his office. office. Yeah,
1: he's got pl- he's got room to do like six pods up there. He
3: probably could, and deservedly so. I think he does a great job. I think he does a great <laughs> Look, job. he's Marcus like just in case <laughs> uh, I uh, end up working. John, are you him. listening? <laughs> yeah. So um, no, but it, it, it was a wonderful experience up there, and and obviously uh, John Montgomery is a, is a huge part uh, of their success. So yeah, we'll and see. his
1: wife
2: Patty. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I accidentally called his wife the wrong name Ooh, the other day.
3: Yeah, I have guy.
2: already called myself <laughs> out for it. <laughs> I texted and apologized. <laughs>
3: Hey, you just now you just in that process. You know how long you're gonna be in the doghouse? <laughs> did what you had to do, and see, we'll see how long said, you stay there.
1: Sherry doesn't even have a doghouse. That's how. Nice
3: Sherry, she, is like. she didn't even hear it. That's nice. She didn't even know.
1: Well, I mean, she heard it because you shouted it at her.
3: Well, yeah. yeah. There you go, man. <laughs> um. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Okay. I I got something that my wife told me I had to ask. Okay. You have a well-documented love of coffee.
3: Yes, I do. Where, Recent love of coffee. Where's the, it happens when so you get the, older. See, so it happened to me too. I agree.
1: Where's Where's the best, and and what's your go-to?
3: Man, see, this is these are the questions that get you cornered. Get yeah, you get cornered with these questions. We're so, not big in Macedonia, so you're probably. We'll right. s- We'll start with. It did happen a few years after college. Now, I had coffee before, but it was no big deal to me. Um, but actually, that summer 2015, I was uh, living here in Chapel Hill with another Carolina guy. Uh, a friend of ours, Daniel Lizer, and he loved coffee. And so I got a little bit of an intro with him. It was the first time that I really had coffee from a French press or something like that. You know, I was like, oh, this is all too complicated for me. But then as the years went on, I always found myself floating towards like a little coffee shop. And most of the time it'd be a specialty coffee shop. So it's not just uh, getting an espresso or not just getting filtered coffee, but like all different crazy ways of making filtered coffees, whether it's with the Chemex or French press or siphon or drip or a cold brew and all these different ways. And you start to think about how you can take one coffee bean and you can use all these different methods of making a coffee, whether you have an espresso or a Chemex or a French press, blah, 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 blah. And you get so many different results at the end using the same coffee bean. Mm. And then you start to mix in all these coffees from all over the world. And it's like, I don't know, it's like traveling and science at the same time. And I'm not really that interested in science, but it, it just really appealed to me. And And I was lucky enough to meet some people who not only, you know, owned these coffee shops or ran these coffee shops, but were actually very, very passionate about coffee. So I, in, in the process was learning a ton about coffee, uh, which kind of led me to today where it's like, I'm really into it. And I don't, Claim to know everything about it, but I am very fired up and motivated to learn more about it and to be making my own coffee at home and trying to have all the methods of making coffee a- at home and just enjoying a nice cup of joe.
2: That answer was uh, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts, proud, <laughs> <laughs> proud sponsor of the Tarios. Thanks, Marcus. <laughs>
1: well, one thing about Marcus is when he does something, he's not going to do it halfway. Yeah. All right. He's going to do it all the way.
3: I try, man.
2: <clears throat> Marcus, do you know Cookout? Yes. <laughs> okay, do you do you? Yes, I mean, do you
3: go? Have you gone to Cookout recently enough for me to ask you what your favorite Cookout shake is? No, not recently. But generally, when it comes to a milkshake, I'm always going to float towards the Oreo. See? Yeah, he knows. That's right, Marcus okay. knows. That's the right answer. The Oreo shake is just—I mean, it's timeless. It's classic, and it, it always does the trick. But it's not that old. answer. Brought to you by Cookout, proud sponsor <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, Adam, I'm sorry. What? I've gotten all my reads out of the way. What do you <laughs> um,
1: Well, you've talked about, about being back in Chapel Hill several times, and, of course, we see you here fairly regularly. And we asked Jawad the same thing, but why do so many guys who aren't Chapel Hill natives, why mm-hmm. do they make this their home?
3: That is a direct result of this of this Carolina family, of Carolina basketball, of, of UNC. People come from all over they spend some of the best years of their life here. Um, you know, when you get specific to Carolina basketball, generally in those four years, you're going to have a shot to, to win a championship. So you're going to experience success at a high level. Um, you're going to be, you know, under the watchful eye of, in my opinion, the best, arguably the best coaching staff in, in the country. And and even the supporting cast, everybody around in this and this program is just like doing everything at a high level. And and it's great to be around those types of people. Those are the people that really shape you and mold you in, in such a positive way. And so it's I think it's just such an easy decision for everybody afterwards. When they're trying to find a place to, to settle down or even just to have one of their roots, you know, Chapel Hill is going to be a, a spot. And then you also add in the fact that from the very young age, even before I was a, a officially a Tar Heel, to come here in the summer and to see that other people had made that decision or or even just to see that it was important for them to be in Chapel Hill for some period of time during the summer. You know, that just kind of put it in your brain from an early age that, like, th- you need to be here, you know, in the summertime or whenever you can for, for whatever reason. You, you need to come here, spend time with the younger guys, um, you know, just try to shed some light um, to, on them from your experience and try to help them get to the places that you were. And so it's really a no brainer. It's like, even if you want to go live in, if I wanted to stay in DC or whatever, I was always going to try to have a place here as well or find a way here every summer. And I'm thankful. I was just able to get a place here last summer or last fall. So you guys are going to be seeing a little more of me. Sorry for that, but. (laughs) I want to again thank Marcus Guignard for
2: joining us here on the pod. Adam, I had forgotten how much I like Marcus Guignard. I mean, not that I – you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just I hadn't talked to him in a while, and he is just always uh, just a fun guy to talk to. He really is uh, insightful and uh, just a
1: really multi-layered person. It's funny how when he was a player at Carolina, one of the things his teammates gave him the most grief about was that he really didn't like basketball that much. I mean – like, he loved it, of course, because he played it. But when he wasn't playing it, he wasn't sitting there watching three games he didn't care about like many other Tar Heel players do. Right. But now, fast forward almost 10 years, and Marcus ginyard has used basketball to get to do all sorts of things that fit him perfectly. He's, he's the perfect guy to go overseas and have all these incredible experiences and meet all these people and have friends in a dozen different countries. That's perfect for Marcus ginyard mm-hmm. Um and so it, it's funny how the the guy who wasn't that big a basketball fan has used basketball to to have a, a life that seems like a great fit for him and still some more basketball ahead of him.
2: One more thing and not that not that it isn't this way most of the time because it is this way most of the time. That really was an incredible group of players who came through all together, not only as good basketball players, but just good people. I mean, the Hansborough, Fraser, Green, Gignard. I mean, just that group of guys um, really were a fun group of guys and obviously obviously, highly successful on the court as well. But that that was a
1: fun group. I expect we'll probably get more angry tweets from one of that group.
2: We got to have Bobby on. Yeah, yeah. we need to. Adam, anything else before we fire up the Riza? No, I don't think so. So we'll be back uh, here later this month in in a week or two. We'll be returned and we'll really start focusing in. We'll get in a little bit closer at that point to uh, to football training camp getting going. Um, and who knows who knows what other fancy countries Adam will have gone to at that point.
1: Yeah, I'm going to try to go to all the countries you're not supposed to go to. So now that I'm done with Cuba, I don't have that Syria, many you're next. Yeah, that's right. They're actually uh, putting me in handcuffs as we sign <laughs> off right now. So thanks
2: for being with us. We'll be back in the next week or so with the next edition. But for now, we're going to let Marcus Ginyard and hey, the a- send us off on another edition of the
3: Carolina Insider. This is Marcus Ginyard signing off, and I can't wait to see you, Big Grits. When I was
1: small.
0: Had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for
3: dinner. Pound box of sugar in a stick of margin A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot, boiling water, salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing Pilgrim on the box on the stove in the kitchen. When
1: I was small We had nothing at all
0: A little bit grit.
2: The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.